Hello and welcome everyone to the Fisherman's Post Saltwater Podcast Series. This episode is titled Cold Water Trout, and we are talking to our friend Captain Stu Calder of Goal Leader Guide Service out of the Wrightsville Beach area. And we're going to be talking about, we're going to be talking about trout movements, where to find them. We're going to be talking about how the conditions affect how to find them and what to do once you do find them. It's going to transition into lure size and presentation and angles. we got a lot of information from Stu Calder, Goal Leader Guide Service. My name, my name is Gary Hurley. I'm with Fisherman's Post, and Fisherman's Post has been serving the saltwater fishing community since 2003, and we've been coming at you with fishing reports, fishing information, fishing tournaments, fishing schools, and now in this latest venture, the Fisherman's Post Saltwater Podcast Series. And it is in this podcast series that we reach out to our captain and guide friends from up and down the North Carolina coast and ask them to share with us their insights, their knowledge to help you, our audience, um, find more fish more often. And um, albeit our other goal isn't just more fish more often, but I do believe that what we're also trying to do is give you the confidence to get you and your family and your friends out on the water spending more time together more often. And I am joined by my side this episode, just as I am every episode, Billy Thorpe of Co-Pilot Studio. Hello, Billy. Ready for another episode. Oh, I was not ready for the episode. I had myself muted. Look at that ridiculousness. Anyway, I'm here, Gary. What's up? How are you? I'm good doing good, you. man. I'm 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 relaxed. <laughs> I am talking to longtime friend Stu Calder. I'm just gonna crank him up and let him go. Awesome. Try to every now and then ask somewhat of a sensible question and then just let him carry the show and then and then that's it, man. We're gonna talk cold water trout. I don't know if you remember. I'm sure you do. We talked with him about trout towards the end of the last year. And we thought we were going to mm-hmm. get to this topic, but man, he had so much knowledge to share on just sort of late fall trout that we decided, hey man, we're going to talk, we're going to do a whole other episode on cold water trout, and that's why we have Stu back tonight. Yeah, I'm excited. I think I was excited the last time when we cut off and we're like, oh God, it's going to be such a good topic. Uh, so speaking of goodness and good topics, I'm going to show you how to watch other good topics and shows. Man, what a oh great segue. Oh my gosh, dude, my segue... Whatever, I should just buy a Segway because I can't make them up. Uh, you can check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Google Podcasts, uh, most recently Amazon Music. Or if you want to look at our ugly mugs, you can check us out on YouTube if you're listening. And be sure to subscribe to these channels and uh, share it with a friend. Just copy the link, send it. I make it really easy in our YouTube description, Gary. I put a little link down there where people can easily copy, paste, Spam all those Facebook pages where you go in there and gripe about your fishing gear or something. I don't know. Help us out. Promote the show if you enjoy it. And also help us promote and go like and hang out where Marine Warehouse Center is hanging out because they are sponsoring this, making it possible. I got a quick message from them, Gary. We'll be right back. I'm in. As you know, it's been a great year for boat sales. However, it's been really tough for customers to find boats in stock. We're the headquarters in Wilmington, North Carolina for Para Customs, Sailfish, Sea Chaser, and Carolina Skiff. Our manufacturers are telling us the high demand for boats is going to affect 2021 inventory as well. So if you're looking to get a boat in spring, you need to come sign up with us now. All right, Gary, you better get over there and sign up if you want that new boat. I'm a, there was absolutely a boat in that clip that I would like. I would love a bay boat with a tower, but I don't think 2021 is the year. Hey, I don't think it's the year. I think, you know, Leslie bought a couch. You can buy a boat. It's equality right there. You well, can do that. I didn't think of it that way. <laughs> yeah, dude. That's the Yeah, that's your end right there. No big deal at all. Couch, boat, same thing. Well, I've been talking with Emmett lately, but it hasn't been about boats, man. The guy just wants to talk about his new year's eve his new year's eve resolutions his new year's resolutions man i mean the guy's busy he's traveling he's got a shop here in wilmington shop in charleston but man he's apparently wants to work on himself and he's got a laundry list of new year's resolutions you want to hear the one he told me about most recently i'm in i'm excited the guy said he wants to make more money that's one of his new year's resolutions he wants to make more money and i was like huh i mean didn't 
every boat dealer sell a boat to everyone in the county last year. But uh, all right, I mean, I get it. I, I want to make more money too. I didn't even know you had to make that New Year's resolution. And I thought it was odd though. But then as I was leaving, he said, hey man, you owe me 20 bucks for this hat so I've been giving to Billy. That's perfect. So I had to pay him for those hats, man. You had to pay him for my hat? Yeah. That I charged I me for your hat. Between here and there. So I got to go buy you another hat. Because <laughs> with the New Year's resolution to make more money doesn't mean he's going to be giving away hats anymore. So I'm going to go buy. Oh. I'm going to go buy a hat. All right, appreciate that, Gary. I knew I could count on you. Keep and that you way, stylish. and that way, Emmett meets his New Year's resolution to make more money. Make my, more money. You know what? My goal is to make more money too. So maybe I'll have to up that invoice. Come to you. No, I'm <laughs> just messing. I'll cut that part out. Don't worry. <laughs> anyway, what else we got going on here? Oh, I got a photo to show you. You're going to like this one, Gary. You're going to like it. This is Jacob Parente of Clayton caught the speckled trout on a custom mirror lure while fishing the Beaufort area. That's a nice-looking trout. That is a nice-looking trout. I want to catch that trout. I'm jealous of the guy's trout, of his boat, of his beard. There's a lot going on in that picture I'm jealous of. So appreciate you submitting the picture. And and by the way, if you're watching this and you have a picture, you're like, I got a bigger trout than that, send it to us. Send us a video of you catching the trout. We'd love to feature those here on the podcast. Yeah, you know, fish photos get a little skinny in the wintertime, so the pressure isn't there. This might be your best chance to get featured in a podcast, the cold winter months when we're not inundated with fish photos. Take advantage. Yeah, fish photos are like me. I get skinny in the winter. Well, Billy, I'm getting ready to... <laughs> I like that. I'm getting ready to uh, bring Stu Calder on camera. Um, but before I do, I always like to remind you that at the conclusion of this episode, we are coming back to you for Billy's Best Takeaway. Billy's Best Takeaway. I'm ready. I'm ready for it. All right. Well, let's bring Stu Calder up. Welcome to the show, Captain Stu Calder of Gold Leader Guide Service out of the Wrightsville Beach area here to talk to us about cold water trout. This is basically trout podcast take two. Welcome to the show, Stu Calder. Uh, thanks for having me, Gary. It's a pleasure to be here, man. Yeah, man. Always look forward to talking to you. Always look forward to making jokes about, you know, Leslie spending money <laughs> due to the <laughs> Stu Calder influence. I mean, I enjoy that. It's actually a joke I don't get tired of. I really don't. <laughs> um, but what I have for you now, and you answered this question before, but you don't get out of answering it again. Um, mm -hmm. Two questions. First question. Why right. should we listen to what Stu Calder has to say about a trout? Uh, um, well, uh, I've been fishing for him since I was a little kid. I grew up right here in this area, you know, Southern North Carolina, been fishing from the new river to the Cape Fear river and all the, you know, waterways in between. And I've always, uh, loved trout fishing and I've always used to go with my dad when I was a little kid and, uh, I've just never stopped. So I've kind of learned a few things over the years. I'm 51 now, and that probably started when I was six or so. And standing on the rock jetties with my dad, he was holding on to my belt so I wouldn't fall in. And, uh, yeah, so I just got a lot of experience, been doing it for a really long time, learning how to position the boat, learning how to approach the areas you want to fish without spooking them. And, uh, you know, there's a lot more to trout fishing than a lot of people think just because of how wary they are and you really have to be uh very stealthy in order to uh sneak up on the big ones now the little ones not quite so much but those bigger fish yeah give them a reason not to bite and those big fish won't bite and i've tried to narrow those reasons down and kind of figure it out a little bit so that you catch more bigger fish rather than just going and getting a bunch of spikes well that is a great answer to the question but I know what you're really excited about. You're excited about question number two, the traditional non-fishing related question. Yeah. And while <laughs> I have a hard time remembering anything you said last episode about a trout, because part of that's what makes me a good podcast host. I'm, it's like I'm hearing the information for the first time every time. But what I do remember is Goal Leader basically came from a Star Wars affection. Yeah. So your question number two is Star Wars based. I have a Star Wars oh. trivia question for you. All right, let's see what you got. How old was Yoda when Yoda died? 900. He killed it. 
He killed me. All right, I got one other. I I, I thought. All right, I'm gonna come with the second one. Sorry, what? I was a Star Wars head when I was. I mean, I was. I I'm still into you. it. I should have gone harder. I mean, I googled it, and there was all kinds of crazy Star Wars trivia. But I thought, oh, this is reasonable to ask. You want me to? I want me to ask you a question to see if you can answer it. No, I'm gonna ask you question number two. I promise ah, you, I can't. Okay. Question okay. number two: Star Wars trivia. Right. What right. species is Jabba the Hutt? Oh, what species is Jabba the Hutt? Here, let me ask it a different way. What species is Jabba the Hutt? <laughs> there you go. Uh, not sure on that He's one. He's a hut. Not sure That's what the, the species, species is. He's a hut. He's a hut. He's Jabba the no? Hutt. All right. I'm proud of myself that I got you. Good job. I'm you proud got of you for getting 900 years. I'm proud of me for stumping you with Jabba the Hutt. There you go. That was a good one. All right, cold water trout. I believe our concept is yep. at least roughly trout in water under fifty-five degrees, but we're calling it cold water trout. Yeah. Where do we find these cold water trout? Man, they got to be kind of hard to find when the water's this cold. Well, right now it's you know it's February. The water's in the upper forties. Uh, so really, when I say cold water trout, I'm talking about for me fifty-two degrees and under. Um, that's when they kind of shift to a different feeding pattern somewhere in there, you know, give or take a degree or two time a year, a little bit. Um, but once you get past mid January or, you know, January, you start getting your cold snaps, those nights in the twenties, days in the forties, uh, that water temp starts dropping the days start getting shorter. Uh, the, it seems like to me, I've found that the trout pattern changes a little bit. Um, they tend to move, for me, they move to two areas, and the areas are either along the beach, in the surf somewhere, or they tend to move up in the creeks, or a pocket of water that doesn't have a lot of current to it. And that's what I'm talking about, back up in the back of these creeks on the west side of the waterway. Um, if you're going to run in the waterway, say, between Carolina Beach and Topsail. Um, the boat basins, anywhere that doesn't have a lot of current flow, they tend to sit in those areas, uh, bask in the sun. They'll, they'll get in those areas where the water moves up and down, but it doesn't have a lot of in and out flow. So you get a lot of exchange of new water, if that makes any sense. So mainly those are going to be the two areas that I've, that I'll target this time of the year when the water gets real cold is either going to be the surf or it's going to be somewhere that doesn't have a lot of current. And typically that's in the back of the creeks or up in the boat basins. Those are the type of places that I tend to target right now. So surf seems interesting to me. It seems like the surf is kind mm -hmm. of busy and it would actually cause them to expend energy to hang out in that surf, but you're saying that isn't the case because it's not like a ripping current through the ICW? Right. Well, and also the surf, the ocean water tends to be warmer than the backwater. There's not as much fluctuation in the surf as there is in the backwater. In the backwater, you can have one or two warm days and the water will warm up three, four, five degrees. You can have two or three cold days and the water will drop three, four, five degrees. In the surf, it doesn't really matter. You're going to kind of stay within two or three degrees, maybe three degrees at the most of fluctuation. It doesn't fluctuate that much. So I think you get some fish that like that, 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 that steady temperature in the surf, but then you get the fish that go into the back of the creeks and kind of get into those deep holes and they'll sit in those holes and uh, just basically sit back there all winter long. Either way, a lot of the time the surf doesn't have a lot of current in it unless you get storms or stuff like that. Then of course they got to find the, find the current and whatnot. Um, but the fish in the backwater typically in those boat basins or in the back of the creeks, they're not fighting too much current. There is going to be a little bit of flow in and out just because down here, other than the new river, which is the closest thing to us, um, you're going to have about five feet, six feet, maybe even a little bit more tide. So you're going to have some flow. 
the new river doesn't have much flow to it because of how narrow the entrance is to it. So that's kind of a different entity. The new river doesn't have a lot of current. So the whole river is kind of slow compared to the Cape Fear River where you have a lot of flow. So you've got to find areas. If you have a high current area, find an area that doesn't have a lot of current in it. And most likely you're going to find the fish if the water's deep enough to hold them, uh, give them an area to run to um, that they can get away from the cold. Uh, they need to have some deep water kind of close to them. But that's why these boat basins do so well is typically the boat basins will have, you know, 12, 15 feet of water out in the middle of them. And on these cold nights, they can run out there to that deep water and it'll kind of uh, buffer them from those cold temperatures up in the shallow waters. So for these cold water trout, I mean, I guess you run into sort of some standard different types of conditions given day to day mm -hmm. changes. And so maybe talk to us about yep. the, the different conditions you typically run into and how that affects your approach, your looking, your, you know, your game plan. Sure. Um, the one condition I don't like is post front. Um, the day after the front goes by, you know, you get those typically this time of the year, you'll get a front that'll come in. It'll warm up. It'll blow hard south, southwest or whatever. And then the front goes by and it blows hard north or northwest and it gets bluebird sunny skies. I don't like to fish that day at all. Uh, post front conditions can be real difficult. Um, just because the barometric pressure change, uh, going from cloudy to sunny, going from windy to, you know, wind direction shifting, maybe even going from really windy to really calm. I think they like uh, more of a, a constant type normalcy. Um, I don't mind if the pressure's high and I don't mind if the pressure's low, but I want it to be that way for a day or so so they have time to acclimate and be okay that everything is all right and they're going to be willing to feed in it um the main thing i don't really want is too much wind this time of the year the wind can kind of be a hassle now if you're up in some of the creeks it's not so bad you can kind of let the trees block it but the problem is a lot of times you have to fish with light lures um, because you're trying to slow down the pace of your bait um, so it's hard to feel that bite when the water's in the forties, they're not going to come in there and just clobber that bait. They're not going to come in there and thump it real good. It's going to be a subtle little bite. I mean, you're not going to really feel them dog down on the bait. So you have to use lighter lures to slow your presentation down. And if it's windy, it's tough to feel everything you need to feel, uh, when you have those type of conditions. So I prefer, you know, really for me, a nice sunny day, I like it because it warms things up. It'll actually move those fish out of that deep water and kind of move them up to those shallow banks. And they'll actually sit there like cats. I've seen them on banks with their body turned side to the sun. They'll be sitting in three foot of water crystal clear water and you can see them and they're just basking letting the sun kind of come down and you can tell that it's hitting them right now if you go to like the the north facing the banks on the north side that actually face to the south or face to the southeast a, ba a bank facing to the southeast is about perfect because that sun will come up and all day long it's just baking that whole bank and you can tell it works because if you're on the right bank and you hold your hand up to the sun. Even if it's cold outside, you'll feel that heat on the palm of your hand while those fish are doing the same thing. So look for those type of conditions. Look for that setup. Look for the boat basin that has um, fairly good deep water in it, but has a nice bank that they can kind of transition up on when that sun comes up and it faces to the south or the southeast and it'll get a nice sun and go straight to that bank because they will sit on that bank a lot of times, just like a cat does in the wintertime in your front yard when it sits in the sunny spot. The same thing, those fish will sit there, kind of let the sun hit them on that side and it'll warm. And I've seen them just sit there now getting them to bite's a whole nother ball game, but at least you know there's fish there. So pressure change, not good. You like it, that to be a little stable. And it's yep. not that the fish don't like the wind. It's that it makes the angling harder, but it has no bearing on the fish. Right. It's just on makes the angling right. harder. Yep. 
Now, places like the New River and stuff, when you're going back up in the creeks, the wind doesn't really affect it too bad because the creeks are down low. They got those high banks and then they got all them big trees. So they're blocking. It could be blowing 25 up here above you. And where you are down in the creek, you'll be just fine. So if you're back in the creeks and the creeks are kind of narrow, the wind doesn't affect you too much. Now, if you're in a boat basin and the boat basin is fairly big and it's open and that wind can get down into the boat basin, now all of a sudden you're having to deal with the wind. And the wind can be a really tough factor when you're fishing light lures. And you have to fish small light lures this time of the year. You don't have to, but I tend to drop my bait size down to smaller baits when it's cold because their metabolisms aren't really high they're not i mean not that they won't eat a big old bait i'm sure they probably will if they get the opportunity um but i tend to found over the years that i get more bites on light leaders smaller lures uh with a slower sink rate and that's just kind of helped me over the years to catch fish when it's cold like it is now you know the water's 48 degrees that's the fish aren't really in their prime uh water temp for being very active so you kind of gotta you have to adapt what you're doing in order to get those fish to bite especially trout well this might be a good time to transition to a little talk about terminal tackle about the leader mm -hmm. and the lore's choice and everything I mean, I think you've spent a good amount of time trying to send people to Ricky Kellum's backyard and fish the new river. So I think you've accomplished. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> I think you've accomplished that. You know, there you go, Ricky. I'm sorry, um, Ricky. I hope not, brother. <laughs> we're going to put up a photo of Ricky's boat just so people can spot him better on the new river and follow him around. Don't, don't do that. He'll we're going to do that post show. But uh, how about terminal tackle, man? I mean. I know you put a lot of thought into every piece yeah. of the puzzle. So give yeah. us the Stu Calder strategy there. Now, typically I'll, uh, it depends on where I am. Now, if I'm in the dark river waters, if I'm in the Cape Fear and I've found a nice current break where there's an eddy or something like that, that I can fish. Um, or if I'm in the dark waters, if I'm in the darker waters, I might go to maybe 15 pound fluorocarbon liters, uh, but if I'm anywhere from Rachel Beach, say, to Topsail, and that water is crystal gin clear, I've gone down to even 10-pound fluorocarbon liters. Um, the waters get so clear in those areas this time of the year. I like to use a nice medium-light rod, something with a fast action and a nice soft tip. Um, the real, you know, something in the 2,000 size range, something that, that – um, I feel comfortable with that I can throw a lot, uh, throw light lines. You know, I you know, I like to use 15-pound braids. Some guys will go down to 10-pound. I usually stick to 15-pound, and what I'll do is if the water is really clear, I'll light my leaders, and I'll even make my leaders long, make them, you know, two, two-and-a-half feet long just to stay away from the lure. Um, and then a lot of times I like to go to <clears> – <throat> if I'm under, say, six-foot – I try to go to about an eighth ounce head, maybe even a sixteenth if I can get away with it, um, depending on the conditions of where you are and how much current and wind and all that. That's a tough one to get away with the sixteenth. But a lot of times an eighth ounce head, if I'm throwing soft plastics, um, I'll take that, that DOA cow bait, that fork tail cow bait, and I'll cut it in half and run that eighth ounce head in it just to make the bait go from a three and a half inch bait to maybe drop it down to a two, a two and a half inch long bait, something smaller, give them a smaller profile. I'll throw that little, uh, two inch shrimp. They got, you know, I drop everything down, down to smaller sizes. I'll throw that, um, the MR 17, typically the 17 this time of the year, because I want that real slow descent on that fall. I want that thing to drop real slow. Um, and sometimes that pause can be a pretty good, a pretty long time. I mean, I, I've had to tell plenty of clients, you're fishing too fast. You have to slow down. And it's a hard thing to do. Fishing slow is hard. It's hard for me too. I, I have a tough time fishing slow. Um, but you have to slow down this time of the year because the fish are not active. And if they have to work very hard to get, their food they're not going to work for it. so typically 
you know, I like a nice medium light rod, seven foot. I'll throw a 15 pound braid because I like the sensitivity of the braid. I'll use uh, in clear water, a two and a half or three foot long leader, probably around 10 pound test. Um, if I'm in dark water, I'll throw 12 or 15 pound test. Um, I like to make my bait small, the 17s or even that one smaller than the 17. I can't remember what it's called, but they make one one size smaller than the 17. And that's a real good bait uh, when it gets late, late year and gets cold like this. If you can fish it somewhere that doesn't have any current that's the only problem is getting it down with the current uh because it's such a small light bait um and if i'm in clear water i like to go to clear colors um nothing too extravagant you know mimic uh real uh real life looking colors except i will throw the electric chicken don't know what it is about it they bite it i don't even know why but they do um i'll throw that one in there too but uh, the majority of the colors i'll throw will be uh very realistic colors even a clear one mirror lure will make a clear mirror lure it's completely clear and um in these clear waters it actually works because you can take the markers and color up what you want to color on it and uh and make it the color you want it to be uh but it's real translucent and in super clear water go clear because it works really good um so basically scale everything down slow everything down look for really light current or current breaks if there is current in the area you're in look for the break because the fish don't want to expend a lot of energy because they're not taking in a lot of energy uh they're not eating a lot so they're not they don't want to expend a bunch find places that don't have a lot of current and most likely you're going to find more fish and look for them if you're in clear water and you don't know where you are the first thing i do is go if i'm go to a new area and i'm fishing a, a area that i know that doesn't have a lot of current the first thing i do is i pull in there and i stop and i take a look at the things do i see you know are there any egrets or herons on the bank if there are awesome that means there's some little fry minutes in there. There's something in there for them to eat. Then I'll look at the sun angle. That's kind of the really one of the big things. Where's the sun hitting the banks the most direct? And then I go straight to that bank because the main thing you have to realize is these fish are cold all the time. They're not in their prime water temp, so they're cold. They're always looking for that way to warm up just even if it's a degree or two. So if I can find that bank, I'll go over there and run that bank with my trolling motor. Even if I spook them, I don't mind. But I want to know, are the fish in here? And are they sitting on that bank sunning? Because if they are, even if I spook them off that bank, all right, I'll leave and come back in a couple of hours and give them a shot. Or I'll come back the next day and give them a shot. Because I know where they're going to be as soon as that sun gets to the right angle. And that's kind of what you got to do. First, you need to kind of find some fish. Once you find them, then you got to figure out how you're going to throw to them. And typically it's go small, go slow. So as far, I mean, I'm, I'm loving all this and you're making everything sensible and, you know, addressing the why and everything is clear. So I guess like, all right, we found some fish. We've got a bank we like, you know, we've, we've come mm -hmm. back to it later in the day or you know we've come back to it the next day so mm -hmm. walk me through your approach of that bank is it am i okay. are you going down the bank from a certain distance away and you want all your casts yes. perpendicular to the bank or are you casting up ahead like what is the stew called typically approach? typically i like to have i like to throw about 30 degrees ahead of my position so let's say you know this is my bank I'm not going to throw perpendicular to it. I'm going to position my boat so I can throw slightly ahead of my boat because those fish that are slightly ahead of me have no idea I'm even in the ball game. And that's the key thing is to, if they feel your trolling motor or they feel your pressure wake from your boat, somebody walks around the boat and you see that pressure wake push off of your boat and push up to the bank, man, that's not good. I mean, you got to realize they're sitting there and, they're they're already on edge because if dolphins come in there they're they're hurting uh 
So they're already on edge. So you can't pressure wake them. You can't be burning that trolling motor at, you know, 70 or 80% and whirring all over the place. Those fish are done, especially the big ones. Now you might get a couple of spikes out of it, but the big ones, no, they're done. They're, they're already moving off and going out into the deep water and leave and, and, and they're done. So you really have to be stealthy because they're already on edge. They don't have to eat because they're not expending a lot of energy. Their body is slowed way down. So you've got a couple of things going against you. They don't have to eat. The water is really clear so they can see any shadow. If you have a shadow, the sun's at your back and a shadow comes across them. Oh man, you've, you know, you've kind of, You've, you, you've kind of lessened the odds that you're going to get bit. And that's kind of the problem is you've got to really understand that you need to run your trolling motor. And I, a lot of times I don't run my trolling motor over 10 or 15% because I don't want to make a lot of noise. I don't want to make any noise. I shut my scope off because it'll make a clicking noise, a sonar clicking noise. And dolphins make sonar clicks. You have to, I don't run any pumps. I don't even use live bait. So I don't run pumps. I don't do any of that stuff. My goal is to go in there as quiet as possible. I'm hunting these fish like I was maybe turkey hunting or something like that, where you have to be super stealthy. So you don't let them know you're there because they've already got reasons not to bite. And if you give them one more, they're not going to bite especially the good ones and the big ones are the ones you want. I mean, you know, we can go catch spikes, you know, quite a bit, but you want to catch some good fish. You definitely have to be quiet. Don't drop the pliers, you know, don't turn the radio on in your boat and send that doom, doom, doom through the hole of your boat. You know, you have to be stealthy. You have to be quiet and you have to approach them from as far away as absolutely possible. Like if I went through there that day before and I knew I saw them sitting on that bank and I spooked them off that bank when I came running through there with my trolling motor. Okay. No worries. I'll leave them. I'll come back the next day about the same time. Give that sun, maybe give it an hour, let the tide get back up. Maybe you have to give them time to get positioned up there. You got to watch the tides and watch the sun angle, get that sun angle nice and high, get the tide right where they feel comfortable moving up onto that bank. And then I'm going to approach them from as far out as I can do it. I want my cast to be as long as I can make it and get it up in there and work it out off the bank and really, really slow. That's the key. Slow, slow, slow. And I have a, I have a hard time fishing slow. So sometimes I'll go fish for trout for a little while. And then I got to go jump out and maybe go striper fishing for a little bit. Cause <laughs> I got to do something different and, uh, and, uh, fish fast for a little while. Then I can go back to slowing down. So for slow movement, for slow, mm-hmm. I mean, we're letting it fall through the water column. Are we trying, are mm-hmm. you trying to hit different parts of the water column? And are you putting mm-hmm. much action? Sorry. I mean, are you giving it any action, like any popping, any bumping, or is it really just a um, slow retrieve? No. Now what I typically will do now with, with my grubs or my shrimp. Now when the water is warmer, you know, I'm popping it pretty good. I'm snapping it making that thing snap pretty good when it's cold i'm just ticking the thing i'm just kind of tick tick and just letting that lure just kind of hop you know two three inches off the bottom and just sit there and then i'll tick tick and maybe hop it again and let it sit there but i'm giving it longer sit periods in between each hop because i want them to i want the fish to look at it and go you know all right there's something to eat and it's really not moving that fast. It looks like a really easy meal to get. You want it to be the easiest thing they're going to be able to eat all day today. That's what you want your lure to imitate. So if I'm throwing, you know, that little two inch shrimp or that little grub, throw it up shallow, hop it, let it sit. Let it sit. Little snap, not much. Just I, I want to hop it off the bottom 
two inches, you know, nothing like I would be in the summertime when I'm popping that thing six, eight inches off the bottom and making it flare and do all that stuff. If you're doing that, they're looking at that thing going, man, that thing is moving too much. I'm not even going to be able to catch it. They want stuff that looks like it's on its last leg, like it's struggling. If, if, if your lure looks like a struggling bait, a bait that is struggling to stay alive or is cold stunned or something like that, that's an easy meal. And he'll run over there and pop that thing. Now with like MR-17s, I'll throw that thing in there and I'll, depending on how deep it is, you got to count it down. You know, you have to count them down because you got to be right on the bottom. I'm not fishing the top water column. I'm not fishing the middle. I'm fishing on the bottom when it's cold. Um, so I'll let that thing count it down. And then I just kind of real slow. I have sometimes where I'll just slowly lift the rod tip and just reel back to it and let it just kind of lift up and drop back down just like that and not even get it that wiggle i don't pull it fast enough that you can make it wiggle i just lift the rod tip up reel to it and then let it just slow drop right back down to the bottom like that really subtle really gentle movements nothing that i don't want that trout to look at that bait and go oh, that thing looks a little too lively for me to catch and that's what happens this time of the year and they will pass it right up because i've seen it I've thrown in the middle of trout and seen them and pop my lure through them. And I've actually seen the trout, the lure coming and you'll see the trout just go and move out. The lure will come by and then they'll come and sit right back into position again. And I'm pulling your hair out. You want to talk about a frustrating day when you're throwing everything you got in the box at them and all they're doing is moving away from the baits. And then all of a sudden at some point they turn on. And then it's boom, 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 boom. And they'll turn on for a little while and then they shut right back off again. This time of the year has that it has real short windows where those fish are comfortable and that they're going to eat. And you just got to be there during that window. Now you got to put your time in. You may have to get there, you know, a little bit before. I don't really like to really, first thing in the morning, it's still a little cold. I like the sun to get up, to heat things up a little bit this time of the year. So I really don't even start to about eight and I really don't, I try to get there, get moving, let the sun get in there, beat on the banks a little bit, heat things up a little bit, get these fish, hopefully a little bit looser, a little more in the mood to feed and then get on them and then work real slow and subtle through there. No hard snaps, no big movements, no fast baits. It's a slow fish. And one thing I do put on my lures when I am doing this is I do use Procure um procure baits in i'll use the procure shrimp on my shrimp i'll use the mullet or the menhaden on my uh my fish my grubs or whatever having to be thrown because i'll do that little hop and while it's sitting there it's just emitting smell so if they come up to it they happen to kind of come up and check it out and get a big old whiff of it hopefully that'll kind of push them over the edge to go mm, all right that does smell real smells pretty good i'm gonna go ahead and give it a bite and see what happens so that's kind of how i approach it long distance as far away as i can i don't throw perpendicular to the bank i'll throw about 30 degrees in front of my position because i i feel like the fish that are right next to me on the bank may have already felt my trolling motor or I may have moved on the boat and maybe pushed a wake up. But the fish that are up here in front of me, they don't have any idea that I'm even in the ball game yet. So if I can reach way up in front, I can get the fish that don't even have a clue that there's a boat over here in the basin or in the creek. But the fish next to me, they might be going, uh, what was that? You know, what was that over there? I don't know what, what something's going on. And I don't, those fish are already kind of on edge where I want fish that are sitting up there just waiting, sitting there going, oh, man, at least I'm warmed up a little bit. Oh, there's something to eat. Boom. That's the fish I'm looking for right there. So I don't know if this is a sensible question, but so all these bites and is it the same mm -hmm. year round? Is it, is it strikes because they're hungry, strikes because they're feeding, or is there such a thing as just a reaction strike, but not a reaction strike in cold water? Mm -hmm. I think some of them are just reaction strikes. I think sometimes they'll even come up. Now, some of the fish I found, you know how you always catch them sometimes right here in the side? I think they come up and, and bump the baits. Um, 
I think some of them aren't even strikes because I've caught quite a few trout where they'll come up and it's almost like they're coming up and they're bumping it with the side of their body. They're hitting the bait, but they're not actually coming in, biting the bait to ingest it. Um, and I do think you do get reaction strikes. I think some of it are all of a sudden the bait drops right by their head and they look over and go, boom, just to bite it. And there's your reaction bite. But then I do think there are fish that are going, okay, I can see it. Here it comes. Here comes something to eat. And then they have the intention of going over there, biting that to ingest it. So you get a little bit of all three this time of the year, but I have seen them come in and swipe baits and I've caught them on. The weird thing is, is I've had that happen more with MR 17s than any bait that I've ever used. Um, so I'll change the hooks out on my MR 17 and put, you know, a good owner hook or a good Gamagatsu on there because a lot of times I'll catch these trout and sometimes you'll catch them in the side over here. I've caught a lot of them in the side and I think they're coming in and just, and just hitting the bait with their body. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a weird thing, but for some reason I have that more with 17s, but I think you get all three of those and really, you know, this time of the year, it's February. I'll take whatever I can get. If they want to react it, if they want to bite it to ingest it, or if they just want to slap it, if I can get a pull from a trout and get a decent trout this time of the year, then hey, I'll take it however I can get it. So the next question I have for you, and you you talked mm -hmm. on this topic in our first podcast when we were talking about trout, and I was mm -hmm. intrigued, and, I, and while I followed, I wish I had followed even a little bit closer, but it is, you give a lot of thought to the you suggest for people to give thought to the angle of lure presentation. So mm -hmm. in addition to 30 degrees off and hitting trout that aren't sort of aware of you, I know you, I believe you also just give thought to the angle that the lure is approaching, leaving, you know, the yep. fish. So maybe give me a little bit, rehash a little bit of what you said or, yep. or just ground me in, yeah. in angles of lure presentation. Yeah. Well, what I do this time of the year is typically the fish, when they sit on these banks, they're going to sit facing one direction. And all the fish will typically face one direction. The majority of the time, that direction that they're facing is going to be facing towards the mouth of the basin. So I like to make sure that I can throw so that I'm having fish able to see the lure coming across. I don't want the lure to come across the back of their head and come in front of them and then they're startled because that's never going to happen in nature um a little fin fish is not going to swim over the top of a trout and come down in front of his face it just isn't going to happen that fish is <laughs> those fish have been removed from the gene pool um so you have to i want to make sure that i'm throwing this lure in front of my boat one to stay away from any fish i may have already spooked but i want to bring it at the right direction so i want the fish to be facing a certain direction so if i go in and spook them the day before by running my trolling motor through them i'm also looking at what which way are they facing you know are they facing towards the mouth of the creek or the mouth of the boat basin which is this way so they're all facing this way or are they facing towards the back of the creek typically they're going to be facing towards that side towards the mouth of whatever you've come into the boat basin or the creek uh the creek entrance with a big pocket in it or something like that whatever you happen to have and once i kind of determine that direction they're facing that's how i'll approach my boat if they're facing this way towards me that direction i'll kind of try to come at them from this direction so that i can lay my lure and bring it across like this and then i'll just step it right down the bank and work them right down the bank and we'll work like that until we run into the pack of them and hopefully i can you know bring those baits in front of them bring the baits in front of them again until we've moved close enough to them to where they're starting to feed and once i start getting bites okay let me just stop the boat here for a minute let's make a couple of casts right in there and let's see if we can keep them because once you find them if i can find a nice school then typically I can kind of direct where my casts need to be within 20 or 30 yards. If there's a nice school sitting up on the bank where you think they're going to be at. Now, if I'm searching, it's a whole nother ball game. Then we're just, you know, toss, you know, toss, 
toss. We're just working everything, working banks, working what we're looking at and working what we've got around us. Uh, and then you're just waiting. Okay. Well, I think I had a bite. Okay. Well, let me stop the boat and let's hit through that area. Everybody switch over. Let's hit that area there for a little bit. Okay. All right. We didn't get bit. Okay. Let's continue on work our drift or work our movement with the trolling motor a little bit. Okay. Boom. I think I had one here. Stop the boat. Boom, boom, boom. Let's work through that for a little bit. So I would just want to make sure that I'm bringing the lures in front of the fish before I get to them, if I can. Uh, and that tends to be the best scenario for me to get bite, you know, to get a bite. Uh, because what will happen this time of the year is, is you'll, you'll go into an area and you'll find that you'll catch all your fish in a 30 or 40 yard area. The area might be 500 yards long, but you're all, all your fish are going to be bunched up in one little area. Now, the next day, they may be further up the bank or they may be further down the bank, but they're probably still going to be on that bank somewhere. You just got to figure out, are they up here? Are they over here? Are they back here? Are they back here? So you'll go, 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 nothing, nothing, nothing. All of a sudden you'll get bit. And then if you keep on going, you'll notice, okay, well, I didn't get bit anymore. Let's go back up here where we got bit the first time and go through that area. Oh, I got a bite. Okay. Oh, maybe I caught one. All right. Stop the boat and fish to that area again because the fish are saged up right there today. So what will happen is, is at night they'll drop off and get back out here in the deep and they may push up here and come up here on the bank or, you know, they may drop off and come back and come back down here on the bank somewhere. So once you've kind of located them or understand there's some fish in the area, you have to start and slowly work your way through to figure out where they are that particular day. Cause you don't want to spook them because once you spook them in the winter time, you've given them a reason not to bite. And with a trout, even when it's right, if the water is perfect temperature and there's bait everywhere, the trout are feeding, you give them a reason not to bite, they're going to stop biting. But if the water is in the upper 40s and you give them a reason not to bite, you might as well leave and go to somewhere else. That's the, And that's a tough thing, you know, when you're fishing areas that have a lot of pressure on them, a lot of boats. It's hard to get out of all that. It's hard to get out of fish that aren't spooked. And so it's it's a tough thing sometimes if you've, if you've got a high pressure area. You've, fish have probably already been spooked by somebody else. Uh, so it's kind of tough to get in there and, and go and behind people and all that kind of stuff. It's, you know, fish are already on edge and you don't want fish on edge, especially when the water's 48 degrees. Are these, uh, a question came to mind, are these fish hanging out because there's a sense of security in hanging out together? Or are they hanging out because that's the favorable conditions yeah. and they all like what's happening there? I, it's my belief that they're hanging out more for security because the dolphins are real bad this time of year. In the wintertime, the dolphins can go in there and they can just wreak havoc. I mean, I've seen them go on schools of redfish and they're throwing redfish around just like killer whales throw seals around. The dolphins do the same thing to redfish. They do the same thing to trout. They get in there and just have a field day on them. So I think what it is, the fish bunch up this time of the year for more security more than anything. Um, I think, I guess it's, you know, you know, the more fish you got around you, the less likely you are to be the one that gets eaten. <laughs> uh, so I think that's kind of what their philosophy is because if, you know, a lone trout gets caught out on his own by a pack of dolphins, he's, he's, he's going to get eaten because he's the only one to eat. But if you've got a hundred of them over there, hopefully you're not going to be the one that gets eaten. So I kind of look at the same way when I'm out surfing, if I'm the only one in the water and a great white comes up, guess what? I'm probably going to get checked out, but if there's a hundred people in the water, my odds get a lot better. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, I, that pretty much brings us to the end of the podcast though, but I don't want to say goodbye without asking you like anything. I didn't set you up to say any final thoughts or, you know, any way you want to end this show. No, not really. This, 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 this time of the year, you know, trout fishing when it's really cold and the water's really cold is difficult. Um, you got to find, you know, slow current areas that they got deep water close to them, but shallow water where they can go warm up if the sun pops up, cause they will move up there into that shallow water and go pop up, downsize everything, 
make all your lures smaller, fish slower, lighten your leaders up. And that's really going to be, that's really what will help you out this time of the year. But you have to understand, you know, they're not in their ideal conditions. Now, are they still biting and can you still catch them? Yeah, you can, but you definitely have to put your work in. You definitely have to kind of figure out a pattern of where some fish are, what they like to do, but you got to do it a lot in order to get a consistent bite over and over and over uh, this time of the year. Now, Later in the year, in the spring, in the summer, when they're all fired up, you can just go about anywhere and start banging and you're going to find them. This time of the year, it's a little tougher. So go ahead and go out there with the mindset of, you know, if we catch a handful, let's go a great day. If you don't catch any, it's still a great day. You have to kind of go out there and understand that, you know, in February, you may catch them, you may not catch them. That's just how it is, especially on trout this time of the year. So now we've covered about everything. Just go slow, go light leaders, go small, look for less current. And that's about what's really going to help you out the most. Right on. I think it was a great show, man. I think you, yeah. I think you helped out, man, because people are itching. They want to get yeah. out and try it. Hopefully it'll help people out. You know, it's, um, it's a hard thing. You know, I like to go and walk the beach sometimes. I'll go and mix it up and go over to Masonboro and just go walk the beach and see what's over there. And, you know, and you'll run into them and there, you know, and sometimes we get them over there and sometimes you don't. And then there's times where we'll go back into the creeks and stuff and, you know, you'll go back there and you'll get two or three and you know, there's more back there, but they just shut off and stop biting. You know, it's one of those things. You just got to go with uh, the intention of, I want to just go fishing. And if we happen to catch some fish this time of the year, then right on. If we don't, at least I got to go out and run my boat, run through my gear, see some fish. Hopefully, you know, maybe get a shot at maybe some trout. Maybe you get a redfish shot. You never know what you run into. Uh, and just go out and enjoy the day. It's February. It's cold. March will be here soon. They'll start firing up when that water temp jumps up into the, you know, the low 50s again. And a lot more fish will start showing up, start biting more regularly. Well, I, I'm sitting here thinking that we're going to wait until the water gets warmer. And then you and I are going to go out fishing and talk about what your next podcast is. Perfect. Come on, let's do All it. Right. All right. Steve, yeah, man. Thank well, you, man. Absolutely, man. Anytime you just holler at me when you need something. You got it, Stu. Thanks again. All right, brother. Absolutely. Later. Billy. Late. Gary, what's up, my man? How do you come up with Billy's best takeaway when he is just dropping knowledge left and right? Well, it wasn't, that easy but i did it i decided on something and uh, i'm really uh, did not know fish like to lay out in the sun so <laughs> i was like all right i'm gonna go find those warm banks and uh and cast at my dog yeah look for cats you're gonna look for <laughs> right. cats laying there on the bank I, i'm not a cat guy when he said cats i'm like you know what i disagree it's got to be dogs find a sunny spot right <laughs> no man it was it was a great episode all you know the other episode that we did with with Stu was amazing so be sure you go check that out if you haven't uh, already. And uh, and another thing, Gary, like I keep hearing, yeah, let me know and we'll go fishing. I don't ever hear Billy will go fishing with us. I'm going to have to find me a new co-host since you take all these fishing gigs. <laughs> we, we don't have to hash it out right now. We can go a off New there. Year's resolution. I think we have stumbled on a New Year's resolution for Gary is to get Billy fishing now, more. Is to we're include talking. Gary, include Billy in. I, I'm in, I'm in with that. Did you I, just hear that? That's a cash register, Gary, because that's a money idea right there. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> I love that New Year's resolution. All right, man. Anyway, I will, <laughs> I'll stop talking. I uh, want to shout out to Marine Warehouse once again. Thank you guys so much uh, for being a sponsor of the show. I want to um, make sure that locate. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make sure my locations here are right. So they have two locations, which I've been failing to mention. as Johns Island, South Carolina, and here in Wilmington, North Carolina. So I know we have a lot of people from South Carolina listening to the show. Uh, so be sure to support their uh, Marine Warehouse Center location there on Johns Island, uh, South yeah, Carolina. John's Island, close to Charleston, so it's central to, you know, most everything happening down that way. Yeah. Awesome, Gary. Anything else, man? No, dude. Great right. show. Great show. Thank you so much, and thanks to Stu again. We'll see you guys next time.